Let's chat about how to get what you need for your home when you don't have a lot of cash or credit. You can do that at Aaron's. Rent to own appliances, furniture, and tech from top brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. But say you don't need it anymore, no problem. At Aaron's, you can return your product at any time or even upgrade it for something new. Life's always changing. With Aaron's, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life instead of the other way around. Approval isn't guaranteed and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. The Volume. It's Hoops Tonight presented by FanDuel. The NBA season is kicking into gear and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. The app is safe and secure. Getting your money out is super easy. You can jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting. And I love building those same game parlays. And FanDuel is now live in Ohio. So use promo code JasonT and download the FanDuel app today to start making every moment more. 21 plus in select states, FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. Dial one 888 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. Dial 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Dial 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. Dial 1-877-770-STOP in LA. Call 1-800-327-5050 or visit www.com M-A-H-E-L-P-L-I-N-E dot org slash problem gambling. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Dial 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Dial 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. Happy Wednesday, everybody. I hope all of you guys are having a great week so far. We are live on 
AMP. Don't forget, if you're watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast feeds, that AMP is the very first place that you guys can get these shows. We have a jam-packed show today. We're going to be hitting on four games from the last two days. The Lakers got another huge win last night against the Memphis Grizzlies. The Philadelphia 76ers went on the road to a red-hot Minnesota Timberwolves team and kicked their ass, which I thought was super interesting. We're going to cover a game from Monday night when the Cavs beat the Celtics, coming from behind late and winning in overtime. And then last but not least, the Golden State Warriors and their road struggles continue allowing just a shit ton of points in an ugly loss on the road in Oklahoma City. We're going to touch on that game as well. You guys know the drill before we get started. Subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. And then last but not least, if for whatever reason you guys miss one of these shows and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish, don't forget you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under hoops tonight. All right, let's talk some basketball. So the Lakers win 112-103. to Anthony freaking Davis, 30 points and 22 rebounds on just 17 shots. Completely dominated the game on both ends of the floor. Locked down the paint defensively. Scored, what, 10 points in transition. He scored in isolation. He scored in pick and roll as a roll man. He had four points just working his ass off on the offensive glass. He scored seven points directly in the post. He completely dominated the game and was just a complete monster. And and this was just the latest reminder of why I've always been so high on the LeBron James and Anthony Davis uh, pairing. There have been a lot of times over the last year and a half where I've gotten some crap, you know, for saying like, hey, like, Through all of this, they're one trade away. If they can make it a solid rust trade, they'll be a real contender. And I've been saying that forever because I believe that LeBron James and Anthony Davis have the highest ceiling of any duo in the league. We did our top five duos yesterday, and I had them fifth. And I had them fifth because of their availability issues. I'm sorry, but that is, you know, there's the old saying the best ability is availability. And essentially, not being able to maintain your ceiling is absolutely something we should factor in when comparing you to the other duos around the league. So I don't think LeBron and AD have a case to be any higher than fifth on that list. But when they are right, when they are healthy, there is no duo in the NBA that can match what LeBron James and Anthony Davis can do on both sides of the floor. When Anthony Davis is healthy, he is a top-tier superstar. When LeBron James is healthy, he is a top-tier superstar. How many players would you even consider taking over the two of them in a playoff series if they are healthy? I'd say Giannis, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, and Joel Embiid. Those are the only six that you can make a reasonable case that you take over both of them healthy in a playoff series. And I would argue they have cases over several of those players. So that means, at worst, the Lakers have like the 7th and 8th best player that you would want on your team in a key playoff series. And here's the thing. Giannis, KD, Steph, Luka, Nikola Jokic, and Joel Embiid, they're all on different teams. LeBron and Anthony Davis both play for the Lakers. And they've both demonstrated that top-tier ceiling within this season. After the win last night, the Lakers are now 30-24. and since their 2-10 and ten spark, uh, start. That's the 10th best record in the league over that span. That includes LeBron James and Anthony Davis combining to miss 41 games during that stretch. That includes playing most of that stretch without any forwards. 
That includes playing crunch time with Russell Westbrook and a general lack of offensive skill in the backcourt. I pulled some numbers today. The Lakers were 10-14 and 14 when Russ played clutch minutes for them. They are 9-4 and four this year when they play clutch minutes without Russ. That includes bad luck with officiating. There was that Tatum foul on LeBron at the buzzer in the Celtics game. There was that play against the Mavericks when Christian Wood hacked LeBron on a a buzzer layup. That's two plays where LeBron would have had two chances to make one free throw to win a game with no time on the clock. Despite all of that, they are 30-24 and in their last 54 games. Because to start that run, when LeBron was out, Anthony Davis played like the best player in the world to carry the team to wins. And then later on, when Anthony Davis was out, LeBron James played like one of the best players in the world to float the team when Anthony Davis was out. Obviously, lots of other guys stepped up during that stretch, but those two guys led the way. You're not winning games in the NBA with that type of top-end talent. And by the way, the Lakers are 7-3 and three since the new trade pieces started playing. They have the number one defense in the league uh, over that span by a large margin. They are two points per 100 possessions better than the Bucks, who are second place in that span. And just within that 10-game span, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and D'Angelo Russell have combined to miss 15 games. They are 3-0 and when all three of those guys play together. I say all that to say this. This is a legitimately very dangerous basketball team in the Western Conference. Again, LeBron and AD have both flashed that top five upside when they're healthy within this season. They now have an extremely skilled backcourt. D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley complement LeBron and Anthony Davis really well. Austin Reeves has been excellent coming off the bench in a lead ball handling role as of late. He's also like the fifth guy that you'd want to slide into uh, closing lineups in for Malik Beasley. It's kind of a much better two-way fit in that specific situation. We'll talk more about Austin Reeves here in a minute because I want to do a deep dive into his recent improvements. Dennis Schroeder is as good of a backup point guard as you'll find in the league. He provides like a defensive changeup to the offensive fastball of D'Angelo Russell. And he did a number on Desmond Bain yesterday chasing him around and applying ball pressure. He's just an excellent option to throw about to, to throw at just about any guard in the league. Jared Vanderbilt has become an extremely versatile defensive weapon that can guard the other team's best player regardless of archetype. He's basically handled every type of matchup they've thrown him at. The only guy that you probably not feel comfortable with is like a Jokic or an Embiid, but he can guard guards, he can guard two guards, he can guard wings, he can guard bigger forwards, big strong forwards. He'll get another challenge to guard a big, strong forward against the Knicks on Sunday. I'm interested to see how he fares there. Rui Hachimura has responded to him getting limited minutes and going to the bench for Jared Vanderbilt. He's responded to that by just diving in heart and soul into the rebounding and defensive areas of the game. This has been one of the most impactful role player stretches I've seen from Rui Hachimura, just in all the dirty work that he's doing on the floor, motivated by what he needs to do to get minutes. He also provides an interesting offensive changeup to Jared, Vanderbilt's, uh, Jared Vanderbilt's defensive fastball in closing groups. Rui Hachimura is shooting 75% in clutch situations this year, and the Lakers are 4-1 and one when they've gone to him in clutch games. Troy Brown Jr. has been outstanding, taking on tough defensive assignments, and now he can't miss from three over the course of the last several games. He's up to 38% on the season. 
And they have some real matchup flexibility off the bench defensively at the center position. They can go smaller and faster with more pace with Wenyan Gabriel, or they can play a more traditional drop coverage big against teams that don't have as much pull-up shooting in Mo Bamba. They check a lot of boxes now. And they have better top-end talent when healthy than anybody in the league. Yes, there are guys that are better than LeBron. Yes, there are guys that are better than AD. But there's nobody in the league that can put the two of them together. And who could do anything that resembles what the two of them do. At the top end. Even as unlikely that as that is. Yes, health is a real risk for them. That's why I had them as fifth. In my duos yesterday, it's still a big question mark. But if they are healthy in April, I'm extremely tempted to pick them as the team that could get out of the West. And we'll we'll make that call when we get there. But if Anthony Davis is going to be this good, and you're going to get the LeBron who broke the scoring record earlier this season with this group of role players in a Western Conference full of teams that are flawed, I, I think you'd be foolish to act as though they do not have a serious chance to get out of the conference. I wanted to talk about uh, Austin Reeves for a minute because a couple games ago, the last time they lost to Memphis, I talked a lot about Anthony Davis and how he needs competent ball handling. Like it's, it's ironically the reason why LeBron and Anthony Davis are such a great pair. Anthony Davis's greatest weakness, which is perimeter initiation, is LeBron James' greatest strength. And LeBron James' greatest weakness at this point in his career, which is really engaging himself with his athleticism on the defensive end of the floor and as a rebounder, that's Anthony Davis's greatest strength. They complement each other incredibly well for that reason. But AD's lack of perimeter initiation has been flashing a lot lately. He had three assists to seven turnovers last night. Anthony Davis has 11 assists to 20 turnovers in his last four games. He needs competent ball handling. We saw what happened against Memphis last time. They couldn't take care of the basketball. They had no chance of winning. We saw what happened against against Golden State on Sunday. We talked about how Lonnie Walker and Malik Beasley and and Austin Reeves and Dennis Schroeder kind of cobbled together a really efficient backcourt night. And they won the game. And then last night, Austin Reeves and Dennis Schroeder combined for 34 points and 16 assists on just two turnovers. So they are somehow, without D'Angelo Russell, without LeBron James, cobbling together now competent ball handling, which is what is allowing Anthony Davis to carry his incredible two-way impact as a play finisher offensively and as a defensive anchor on the defensive end of the floor. I wanted to show some, you know, because we talked a lot about Dennis Schroeder earlier and what he does defensively, but one of the biggest developments of this season for the Lakers has been the improvements that Austin Reeves has made in terms of his offensive skill. And it really is remarkable. So I did some diving. uh, For those of you guys who want to see these numbers visually, I tweeted them out earlier today. But I wanted to go over just some numbers to demonstrate how much Austin Reeves has improved over the course of the last two seasons. So in 2022, Austin Reeves averaged 0.94 points uh, points per post-up possession. Excuse me, points per spot-up possession. That was 192nd out of 257 players to log at least 100 spot-up possessions. This season, when spotting up, 1.24 points per possession. That's a 30-point increase in offensive rating in those situations. That's 13th out of 147 players to log at least 150 spot-up possessions. So in one summer, he transformed himself from one of the worst spot-up players in the league to one of the best spot-up players in the league. 
in uh, in shot creation situations on the ball, he has improved his efficiency despite massively improving his volume. He went from 0.96 points per possession in pick and roll last year to 0.98 this year, despite going from 81 reps to 203 reps. Isolation, up from 1.07 points per possession to 1.11. And most of it's coming down to the jump shot. So last year... Austin Reeves, effective field goal percentage on catch-and-shoot jump shots, 52%. Dribble jump shots, 36%. This year, 59% effective field goal percentage on catch-and-shoot jumpers, 53% effective field goal percentage on dribble jump shots. And his rim finishing has improved from 68% to 69% despite increased volume. It's, it's extremely difficult to do that over a five-season gap, let alone in one season. I tweeted this earlier today, but there's a couple of guys, and somebody actually on my Twitter feed pointed out uh, Javon Carter as well. But Javon Carter, Austin Reeves, Josh Green, there are some recent examples of some of these spot-up players around the league that in one summer must have just spent hours and hours every single day building out and refining their skill set in preparation for bigger roles this year. And Austin Reeves is just the latest example of that. Uh, watch out for those Lakers, man. Uh, they have a couple days off before. It, it, like, look, if you look at their schedule down the stretch here, like they've got a lot of winnable games on the horizon. Uh, next is Friday night at home against the Toronto Raptors. That's a winnable game. Obviously, Knicks on Sunday. The Knicks are playing really well, but they're a team that can struggle to score sometimes in the half court, so the Lakers will have a chance to win. And at some point over the course of the next few weeks, I expect LeBron James to return. Maybe not as soon as he needs to if they keep winning at this rate. We'll see. Let's go on to the uh, first national TV game from yesterday, 76ers Timberwolves. So uh, the Sixers beat the hell out of the Wolves. Uh, Outside of Anthony Edwards, nobody from Minnesota could make a shot. Uh, Embiid was masterful once again, 39 points on 22 shots, three blocks. uh, Joel Embiid scored 20 points just on jump shots yesterday. He was four for four from three, four for eight on jump shots outside of the paint. He's now up to 56% effective field goal percentage on catch-and-shoot jumpers this year and 44% effective field goal percentage on dribble jump, uh, dribble jump shots this year. Those are decent numbers for a star guard, let alone for a center. So that perimeter jump shooting thing for Joel Embiid continues to be a revelation. Tyrese Maxey was awesome with James Harden out. He had 27-5. and five. And then it was good to see Tobias Harris back uh, after that calf injury took him out in the middle of that Bucks game. He's really important for them on the wing defensively because they're a little thin there. And he grabbed 14 rebounds, which is a big part of triggering that transition attack with guys like Tyrese Maxey. Um, But in his walk-off interview on TNT, Joel Embiid had this quote that I thought was really interesting. He said, no disrespect to any of them, but uh, uh, no disrespect to any of them MVPs, but defense, excuse me, I'm misreading this quote. I'm butchering it. No disrespect to any of them. But MVPs, Defensive Player of the Year, that doesn't mean anything to me. I'm still going to be the best player on the floor. So, first of all, in in, in the speech, you can kind of see just a little bit of contempt in his voice. And I get that. I understand. I understand Embiid's frustration. Um, I don't think Embiid is the MVP. I'd have him third right now. But I do get very frustrated by the MVP voting process. It's one of the most annoying conversations every year. The voters predominantly seem to be like, NBA hipsters that galaxy them, uh, galaxy brain themselves into overly complicated opinions. I don't think playoff success is valued nearly enough. Yes, I know it's a regular season award, but why do we play the regular se- season? It's all one giant journey towards the Larry O'Brien trophy. So acting as though that 
your playoff translatability doesn't matter just because we're focusing on the regular season is really silly to me, but I digress. I was impressed by the quote because to me it is the latest example of Joel Embiid's demeanor throughout this season, which is just fighting like hell on the court to win games regardless of what the prevailing opinion is about him. Regardless of whatever narratives you cling to, I look, I think he can be an infuriating foul grifter sometimes, but you know, that is what it is. I, he's been relatively healthy this year, but he's had some health issues in the past. So people will cling to those sorts of things, but he's shutting out all of that. And he's just focusing on dominating basketball games on the court. He's gone to war every single night. He's outplayed Giannis head-to-head recently. He's outplayed Nikola Jokic head-to-head recently. He outplayed Anthony Davis earlier this year. All he's doing is winning where it matters on the court. The Sixers are nine points per 100 possessions better with him than without him. And the Sixers are 31-10 since December 8th, which is still the second-best record in the league over that span just to Denver. That's a half-season sample size. With, with some signature wins. They're 0-3 against Boston this year, but they're 3-1 and against Denver and Milwaukee, which lends credence to my matchup uh, take that I always have. Like Especially in the Eastern Conference this year, matchups are going to matter. Who plays who is going to matter. And it, it benefits Philadelphia um, uh, if Boston ends up getting the one seed so they can catch Milwaukee in that second round because I think that's a better matchup for them. Uh, before we move on, I wanted to talk about Minnesota for a second because this is a tough loss. Obviously, you get your butt kicked when you're on a three-game winning streak at home. Um, but before last night, they ripped off three straight wins against three pretty good teams all on the road. They beat the Clippers on the road. They beat the Lakers on the road. They beat the Kings on the road. And so I want to go optimistic here with the Timberwolves because I can kind of start to see just an identity starting to form, an identity that makes sense as a foundation for a really good basketball team. Starts with Anthony Davis as your two-way superstar. Ants last 20 games, 27-6-5, and five, 58% true shooting, 37% on pull-up threes during that span. All pretty damn good numbers. Uh, Anthony, da- uh, excuse me. <laughs> Anthony Edwards and Jaden McDaniels um, have made a frightening perimeter defensive duo. I've talked about that a lot on the show in recent weeks. They've given nightmares to many of the game's best offensive players this season. They have these stretches where they lock in and guys just can't even get shots off. And they have one of the best defensive anchors in the league behind them in Rudy Gobert. So you've got the future superstar and you've got the potential to be a truly great defense. And they've still been a good defense this year. They're 10th in defensive rating. But you can see a version of this where they can in the future on the strength of those three guys, Ant at the point of attack, Jaden McDaniels chasing guys on the wing, and Rudy Gobert on the back line, that they can be a truly great defense. What they need is they need a good playmaking guard that can defend next to Anthony Edwards, someone that's a little more methodical, a little bit more of a a guy looking to set guys up. And then Jaden McDaniels represents that like thin, wiry, great athlete forward, but they need that bigger, stronger, lower center of gravity, like kind of power, traditional power type of forward. So basically think of it as like the better version of uh, Mike Conley and the better version of Kyle Anderson. And for the record, I don't think it should be Carl Towns. I just think your overall foot speed in the lineup gets too low there and he's not a good enough defensive player. So obviously with all the assets they gave up in the Gobert trade, it's probably going to have to be Carl Towns who's used as the chip to make that happen. But I think they're going to be looking in that direction eventually anyway. But if they can upgrade those two positions a good skilled forward that's big and strong at the four and a good skill guard 
that can pass and play make and defend a little bit at the two, that's that's a damn good five-man group, especially if Anthony Edwards continues to progress at this rate. So I would be I would be very excited for the future if I was a Wolves fan. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Does sleeping hot keep you up at night? Meet the Lisa Chill Collection. These cooling mattresses work like magic with a cool-to-the-touch cover, zoned springs, and comfy foam layers. Say goodbye to restless nights and wake up refreshed. Lisa's Chill Mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers that whisk away heat, so you always sleep just right. These hybrids blend up to 1,032 breathable springs and plush foams for the ultimate cooling and comfort. And the Chill Collection doesn't just feel great, it looks great too. With thoughtful design and pillowy quilt tops. No matter your budget, Lisa has a chill mattress for you. For a limited time, save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash iHeart. With Lisa, your purchase has purpose. Every year, Lisa donates thousands of mattresses to those in need. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. What's up, guys? It's Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel. The sports calendar is packed, and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. There's so many sports to bet on, like the NBA, college basketball, or the PGA Tour. The app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. They have exclusive offers, boosts, and more all month long. Plus, when you win, you'll get paid fast. FanDuel has lots of ways to play, like the spread, money line, over-unders, team totals, player props, and so much more. And you can combine multiple bets from the same game into a same-game parlay. So download the FanDuel app today to start making every moment more. All right, let's move on to Monday night's game between the Cavs and the Celtics. So the Cavs won in OT, 118-114. to it's a weird game. Boston set out three starters. Jason Tatum was out. Al Horford's out. Robert Williams is still out. He's going to be out for another week or so. Uh, Cleveland went small down the stretch. They benched Jared Allen and went with uh, Lamar Stevens and Evan Mobley in the front court. 
Donovan Mitchell was awesome down the stretch, just attacking the rim, taking advantage of Boston being down their rim protection, not settling for stupid shots. Um, Lamar Stevens was one of the biggest impact players down the stretch of this game. He had a bunch of offensive rebounds down the stretch in regulation. And then in OT, he had back-to-back monster offensive plays. He hit a corner three on a kickout. And then he had a play where he drove and, and dropped his shoulder and went right through Mike Mascala to get a layup. Um, that just goes to show you what competent forward play looks like next to that specific core of players, which is exactly why I've been saying that if they could upgrade that position or get more consistent production out of that position, I'd be so much hard, uh, higher on them. Um, but the Celtics blew an 11-point lead late in this game, and the, and the Celtics have lost three of their last four games and are just 24-16 and 16 since that Golden State loss in early December. Now, here's the thing. A lot of Celtics fans are freaking out, and I very much am not. Even that long extended slump going 24 and 16 is still the sixth best record in the league over that span. That's how ridiculously even the league is down the line. Um, I think most of their issues as of late are related to some lineup inconsistency as they've been cautious with injuries and general malaise, which can happen to really good teams in March, especially when they have, you know, a comfortable position in the standings. Obviously, they're jockeying for that one two seed, but like, they're in pretty safe shape, so they don't have the same urgency that a lot of the other teams in the league are, are, are playing with. So I have not seen anything in the last three months that would change my opinion of the Celtics. But I did have a Celtics fan ask me last night how Boston keeps blowing these games, and I wanted to hit on that for a minute. So first of all, the Celtics are 21-10 and 10 in games that involve clutch situations this year. That's third best in the entire league behind Milwaukee and Denver, and a hell of a lot better than they were last year. So this hasn't really been that big of a problem. But they've had some touch, uh, tough clutch games this season that resembled last year, and they've blown three of their last four close games. So it is worth touching on for a minute. I attribute these clutch Celtics issues to two things. Stagnation and decision-making at the rim. So first of all, stagnation. So when the game slows down in these clutch situations, the Celtics have way too many possessions where they just walk the ball up the floor. And what ends up happening in those types of situations is they don't actually start trying to create an advantage until there's like 10, 11 seconds left on the shot clock. And so if that first drive gets contained, they're making a swing pass to somebody who doesn't have much of an advantage with like four seconds on the shot clock. And so a lot of those possessions end in these late clock contested pull-up jumpers, which are going to be low percentage shots for everybody in the league, even the best players. So the way to fight that is to play with tempo. You want to bring the ball up the floor quickly. That doesn't mean you have to shoot right away. You don't have to, like playing with pace doesn't necessarily mean shooting in the first five seconds of every shot clock. It just means moving the ball up the floor quickly and getting into that first action. That might give you some time to run a set. Or maybe if you're playing driving kickball, that first guy, even if he kind of gets contained, he can throw that swing pass and that next guy has a chance to attack that closeout and maybe he can make a kick and then the next guy can attack and you might be able to get four or five attacks in the same possession, which is what allows you the better opportunity to get better dribble penetration to get better shots. So that, that, that to me is step one, play with better tempo. Bring the ball up quickly so you have multiple opportunities to attack the rim. The second thing is rim decision-making. There were back-to-back possessions in this game when Boston was up 102-93 
where Jalen Brown made poor decisions at the rim and it turned the game like this. Once on a cut, once on a drive, and both times he made poor decisions. First, he challenged Evan Mobley on a cut when Luke Cornett was cutting out of the weak side corner wide open. Instead of challenging the rim protector and getting blocked, you read the floor and you make that hook pass to um, Cornette cutting on the baseline. It's a dunk. On the second one, he drove to the basket on Evan Mobley. Mobley's challenging him from behind. Lamar Stevens comes up and helps. Derek White's wide open on the left wing, and Marcus Smart is wide open in the corner because the entire Cavs team collapses. And Jalen Brown challenges them and misses the layup. And here's the problem. Missed layups or blocked layups trigger fast breaks. I learned this lesson a million times when I was covering the Lakers with Westbrook over the last couple of years. All of his missed layups would inevitably lead to these runouts the other way. And it's it's pretty simple. Every team usually has one guy on the floor who's pretty slow-footed already, probably a big, right? So when one of your better athletes misses a layup and is now behind the rim, your floor balance is off and you're playing three on five back the other way in transition. It just puts your transition defense in a really tough spot. This is where, you know, getting dribble penetration is the first step, but making the right decision when you engage help defenders is the important second step. I used to talk a lot about, you know, uh, when we were talking about analytics two days ago, I think. I I told you guys about how, you know, we don't properly account for shot quality, right? Like, yes, threes and the rim are the two best shots in basketball in terms of value right? Because you can finish at a high rate at the rim typically, and threes are worth one and a half points per compared to a, a, a shot inside, right? One and a half times as many points, I should say. Here's the thing. A wide open in rhythm 15 footer is worth more points per possession than a contested three or a contested rim attempt. That's the important detail. Rim attempts are not good if they're in a shit ton of traffic and you can't make them. Threes are not good if they're a heavily contested, difficult off-the-dribble three. By playing stagnant and not getting dribble penetration, you take a lot of contested dribble threes, which are low-percentage shots. If you make, if you get dribble penetration and you make poor rim decisions, you get a lot of contested, tough layups at the rim. But if you play with tempo, you get the dribble penetration and you make good rim decisions... Now you're getting wide open catch and shoot threes on the back end. Or if you work the advantage enough, you might get a wide open higher percentage rim attempt. So playing with tempo and making good rim decisions is the difference between getting contested threes and contested rim attempts and quality catch and shoot threes and quality rim attempts. That little execution detail is the specific problem that has popped up with the Celtics time and time again over the years. Challenging Bam at a bio at the rim, challenging Brooke Lopez at the rim, challenging Kevon Looney and Draymond Green at the rim, rather than making the right decision, playing stagnant and not getting enough dribble penetration. Again, it hasn't been as bad this year as it was in the postseason last year or the year uh, or in the regular season last year. But that specific issue has been what has caused their crunch time issues, and it's happened in three of the last four games. So it's just something to keep an eye on as we go down the stretch. But I remain unworried about the Celtics in general, and I do think they deserve their fair chance to prove us all wrong in the postseason. All right, quickly, before we get out of here. So Golden State lose. I'm not, I don't have too many thoughts on this game. I just want to hit on a couple of quick points. 
Um, Golden State loses an embarrassing game in Oklahoma City, 137 to 128. Uh, first of all, Shea Gilgis Alexander actually played in this game after missing a bunch. Uh, and he's a top 15 player in the world. So that doesn't necessarily take away how embarrassing the loss is, but it does color it a little bit differently. Like going into Oklahoma City and beating Shea Gilgis Alexander in the Thunder is not exactly an easy task, but it is a game the Warriors should have won. Secondly, a lot of Warriors fans and some non-Warriors fans were hyper-focused on Golden State's size in this game. That specifically has been one of the larger talking points surrounding the Warriors in recent weeks, how big they are. Uh, Colin and I even talked about it a little bit in the last time we did a show. And look, the Warriors are not a huge basketball team, obviously. But this is the same core that was big enough to win the title last year. Running through Jokic, running through Memphis and their gigantic front line of Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark and Steven Adams. And the Celtics were much bigger than them, basically at every position, and they won the title. So, like, I, I, I'm not necessarily that worried about Golden State's size. Uh, and here's the reality, too, of last night's game. Their two best athletes were unavailable. Andrew Wiggins and Gary Payton are two of the top-tier athletes at their positions. When they don't play, the Warriors are not nearly as physical uh, physically imposing. That's just a fact. But here's why I'm concerned. Regardless of what personnel was available for the Warriors last night, they had more than enough to win that game. And they just were not sharp defensively in this game. They were not sliding their feet on the perimeter to contain ball handlers. They were slow in their rotations. They were slow to the basketball on misses, so they got destroyed on the glass. And they turned the ball over 21 times. That's just all sloppiness and laziness. I don't want to hear about size and athleticism when I've seen this same group of players do infinitely better in all of those same areas just in the last couple of weeks. Primarily when they're at home. So the concerning thing is, is that in a situation where the team should be playing with high urgency, they are not playing with high urgency. They're establishing bad habits that can get them beat, especially on the road. And here's the thing, they're going to be playing on the road a lot in this postseason, potentially. That's the concern. It's not over, but they had better get their shit together quickly. They are running out of time to rectify this. And I, that was a discouraging loss, to say the least, um, if you're optimistic about the Warriors last night. All right, guys, so that's all I have for today. Um, I believe we are taking tomorrow. Oh, wait, we're, we are we're covering uh, Grizzlies Warriors tomorrow night. So we're going to be live on AMP right after the uh, final buzzer of that game. And then we have a show on, I'm recording Friday night that will air on Saturday morning. And then one I'm recording Saturday night that will air on Sunday morning. The Volume. Let's chat about how to get what you need for your home when you don't have a lot of cash or credit. You can do that at Aaron's. Rent-to-own appliances, furniture, and tech from top brands like HP, Samsung, and Ashley. But say you don't need it anymore, no problem. At Aaron's, you can return your product at any time or even upgrade it for something new. Life's always changing. With Aaron's, your stuff can change right along with it. Keep it, return it, upgrade it. Aaron's fits your life 
instead of the other way around. Approval isn't guaranteed, and some restrictions apply. See your local store for details. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.